When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMalder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week on Head and Heart Work Conversations, we're talking to Oscar Montoya, whose pronouns are he, him. He's an actor, writer, improver, podcast host, and you probably know him best from the most recent HBO hit, Minx, which I recommended as a blind date a couple months ago, um, on which he plays a queer photographer for a pornographic magazine for women <laughs> or people who enjoy penises. So hi, welcome, Oscar. I'm so thrilled to have have you on the show. Hi, Sierra. I love you so <laughs> much. I have to tell you. Okay, so just quick backstory for our listeners. Oscar went to school with my older sister. And so I've known Oscar like peripherally. Peripherally. There's yeah. a thing on my show where I mispronounce words all the time. Um, <laughs> so, you're just creating new language. That's all you're doing. Exactly. Oh That's Ooh, what I always tell damn. her. Yeah. Oh, wit. Anyway, so... <laughs> I, I I can't I I can't lie like there's like this little sister in me that's like oh my god I'm talking to my big sister's friend you know what I mean like I feel very cool right now <laughs> That is very funny because I remember one time I I went to see I I've, I've been to a couple of your shows um and I remember hanging out with all your poet friends and being like am I the coolest person right now I think I am <laughs> and just being like overwhelmed by how intelligent like vulnerable i mean the way that you carried conversation with your friends i was like oh, oh my god oh, that's you're just incredible also like if you oh. haven't seen sierra perform it is oh my gosh. next level it's unbelievable you're, you're such a so you're kind. such a talent you really are such a talent you're so unbelievable oh i bought two you. of your books like uh, it's just like Aww. i i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with you so this is oh a treat god. for me this oh is my god treat. this is a treat for us and I'm, Sam, like, I'm a fan of yours too okay i'm gonna i'm gonna text my sister and be like i'm talking to your friend you know and i did, I did steal your pants when you were in 12th grade you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway so we're thrilled that you're here. Um, we're thrilled to talk about you, your work, and your fucking amazing show, Minx. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, like pause this show, go binge it. It's on HBO. It's so good. I literally told Sam to go binge this fucking show. Yeah, I binged um, it in anyway. two days, and it was oh. very easy to binge. So, <laughs> oh, it was so good. I'm so glad it was great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like very fresh for me because I watched it. <laughs> I watched like all I watched it in the with... last two days. <laughs> 
I watched it both with my mother and my mother-in-law because we watched it right after my daughter was born. Two different times. I watched it twice, just so you know. Um, But I'm really lucky that my mom is cool and my mother-in-law is chill as fuck and laughed out loud at so many different things in the show. So um, anyway, (laughs) before we talk about the show. That's like the best compliment I get when people are like, I have even introduced it to my parents. And that to me is like, if you can... (laughs) If you can introduce a show about penises and erotic magazine to your parents, you're good in my book. You've won. Oh, I will say that (laughs) I share an HBO Max account with my mom and she had already watched it by the time I started watching it. So (laughs) that is so good. That is so my mother all by herself on her lonesome in her house was like, yeah, I'm going to watch about, yeah, about, <laughs> about pornography with all of these penises in it. And apparently she loved it because she watched the whole thing. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oscar, tell us, Minx aside, just first give our listeners like a little background into who you are and what you do and how you got to this place right now. Yeah, sure. So like I'm a, I'm a comedian, uh, actor. Um, I started my performance life as a dancer. I, I, uh, I was a contemporary dancer, uh, and I had a dance injury, uh, and, uh, I was sort of like at a weird point in my life where I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Like I can't really Mm -hmm. dance professionally anymore. Um, and, uh, at the time, like right before the injury, I also struggled with like stage fright, um, mm-hmm. and like performance, like anxiety stuff. So, um, my friend named Christian Jacobs, who went to SUNY Purchase, which is where I know Raya, um, told me that, uh, he was like, Oh, have you thought, of, thought about taking improv classes? And I was like, Improv? No, I'm not a funny person. Like, not at all. This is not something I do. Like, comedy is a weird, no, no way. And he's like, No, I think it'll like loosen you up and it'll make you more comfortable with yourself. And I was like, Okay. So I took that class at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York and uh, was very intimidated by it because everybody was like, (laughs) I want to be on SNL. And I was like, I just want to learn how to talk to people. Uh, (laughs) And uh, was super, super, super intimidated by that scene that I sort of took a break from it. But I, I became obsessed with improvisational theater, this idea of like how people can come up with stuff on the spot. To me, it felt like magic. So um, I used to like just go to every single show and analyze every single improv show. And then after a full year of not doing it, I was like, I think maybe I should like tackle this again. And I went to a different place called the People's Improv Theater in New York. And it absolutely clicked for me there. And the rest Mm -hmm. is history. Like because of improv, I was able to have confidence in myself as a performer and sort of like Mm -hmm. lean into me as a comedic performer, which is something I never thought was like, I could do. And it led me to uh, acting and doing comedy full time. And yeah, now I'm now that this is like what I do to make a living, which is yeah. a dream. It's a dream. I'm living a dream <laughs> yeah. life right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, before Minx, like once a year, I'd see you on a commercial and be like, I know that person. <laughs> you know, like, I know that person. It's so surreal. Commercials are, listen, commercials are great. They are, um, they're they 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 pay (laughs) pay. yeah oh oh, yeah that's what i've heard from my fellow actor friends yeah no every Mm -hmm. time i see one i'm pumped for you and your you know actor wallet my bank account (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) 
Um, well, you and I don't go back in the same way that Sierra and you go back, but, um, I told you this a little bit before we started recording, but my husband is a huge fan of you, um, and all of the podcasts that that you do, um, (laughs) loves drag her, which is your drag race podcast, um, and has listened to you on comedy bang bang and teacher's lounge and all of that stuff. So, um, I feel a little starstruck in like a different way than Sierra does, but I'm just like really <laughs> glad that you're here. And so like is, a surrogate so starstruck for <laughs> Absolutely. your husband. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, but beyond that, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Minx and what your role in that was and like what it was like to play that role? Oh, yeah. So uh, on Minx, I play a character named Richie, who is who was a... Um, so, okay, so Minx, like Sierra said, is a show about Joyce Prigger, who is sort of like a feminist on paper, who, um, <laughs> you know, she's she's a, she's a first world feminist, which means she comes from privilege and yeah. uh, her perspective on uh, feminism is like a very skewed perspective. And so she's trying to make a magazine, a feminist magazine, The Matriarchy Awakens. She doesn't have much luck because it is 1972 in Los Angeles, uh, a time where women's rights were sort of just like scoffed at. Uh, she meets this guy, Doug, who is uh, sort of the king of the titty magazines, as we like to call, <laughs> uh, which is just sort of like, you know, cheesy, sort of like erotic magazines for men that feature women. Uh, and they team up to make the first erotic magazine for women, which is, uh, yeah, a lot of naked dudes. And I play Richie, <laughs> who um, used to be a makeup artist for these quote unquote titty magazines, and uh, then became the photographer because no guy wanted to take pictures of penises. And uh, my character steps up to the plate to do that. And uh, <laughs> the character goes through this really interesting journey throughout the season, which is he's discovering himself as not just a photographer, but as an artist and mm-hmm. what that means in order it, uh, when it comes to his self-confidence and uh yeah sort of stating that he is an artist despite him taking what's seemingly just naked pictures of men you know that there's mm-hmm. more than just like nudity it is an art statement and uh yeah so that's like a nice little transition that richie goes through on the show um mm-hmm. and playing that character was like I mean, I'm the luckiest person in the world to play that character. (laughs) It's so nuanced, you know, like, you know, here's what I'll say about playing like, as a gay person playing a gay character, there is that fear of sort of having people write this character as a two dimensional Mm -hmm. sort of stereotype. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit of fear in me of like, oh my gosh, is this just going to be like the sassy gay? Yeah, hey. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the little mm-hmm. peripheral gay character that ha- that sort of like turns off when the protagonist is out of the room, you know? Right, but right. Yeah. Because of the brilliant mind of the showrunner and creator, Ellen Rappaport, she put so much love into all of the characters on the show and she was mm. able to create like a three-dimensional character for Richie and uh yeah Richie was able to have like an emotional stake like uh a whole like episode dedicated to Richie which yes. uh, you know mm-hmm. typically you don't get like I've played characters in bun- in a bunch of stuff and I've never gotten like such a great textured character like Richie before mm. and it was such a treat to play to play that character 
That's and awesome. that is true of all the characters on the show. I Absolutely. feel like they all have such mm-hmm. rich um, emotional worlds, you know, and you can really tell that that love and care was put into not just their writing, but their acting and, you know, the Absolutely. costumes and everything. And I think what's cool about the show Minx is that it's not just about Joyce sort of realizing that her like she's like oh i have a very limited view of what feminism is and like she like learns a lot about herself but like every character sort of has that space and in 10 episodes half an hour that's like not a lot of time to have these (laughs) incredible arcs that happen on the show and every character has moments like that on the show and i and i just love it yeah yeah and I felt like, you know, almost like Orange is the New Black, how Piper was this like white tro- Trojan horse, you know, for yes. people to actually like, mm-hmm. other storylines. She, uh, Joyce's character does that, but in like a less abrasive way because <laughs> yes. she's a likable, <laughs> unlikable protagonist. Yes. And the other, the supporting characters were so rich and so rewarding that, it, you know, like, don't get me wrong, I liked Orange is the New Black, but like, it, I right. felt like, it just was such so well balanced it's such a great well but well balanced show yeah absolutely i like i'm thinking about the fact that there were so many scenes with you and um barbie and tina i think was her name right like who yeah bambi yeah 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 absolutely who were like three supporting characters but you all like had a bunch of scenes together where you had like real conversations and like it was which is not typical of of shows that feature like a straight male and a straight female white protagonist to have right. like such a richness of the supporting cast to be like, yeah, absolutely. And these people have rich lives too, and they have their own conversations. And it's, it was awesome. It was, it was just really well done. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because one of the big things that I noticed about this show that was different from other shows is that like a lot of the sort of, um, the other character you have your leads right and then which i would say is joyce and doug jake johnson and ophelia lovibon who are incredible comedic geniuses um and then you have the other characters which always which typically if this was like a another show these other characters would only benefit the protagonist but mm-hmm. like we have our own things going on. These people don't feel like characters. They feel like real people that have mm-hmm. existed, that have formed friendships before mm-hmm. Joyce even yep. came to the picture. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. I think the show does a really good job of of doing that, of being like, yeah, there's history between these people. These people are not just co-workers. They're friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. definitely. Rapid fire, other things that I loved about the show. <laughs> To get to my next point, uh, the <laughs> casting was just so perfect. Like you oh, are Richie and Richie is you. Same with all the other characters. It, it, casting was so spot on, so enjoyable. Everybody crushed their their roles. I love watching mm-hmm. a show in which you know people like are just great at their jobs, you know, and that was true of the costumes. Oh my God, the costumes, oh. the <laughs> The, the editing of the show, the pace of it was so good. So sharp, so fucking funny. Laugh out loud funny. I watched the first episode alone and then my wife came home from work and I was like, you have to watch this again. She laughed out loud <laughs> yes. at all. I watched it again twice in one day, the first episode. Um, also, the story, the, the arc of the story is like simultaneously familiar, you know, like this unlikable protagonist learning, but also likable 
learning these lessons um, and also new at the same time, putting like women's erotica and, and pleasure to the forefront. Um, and it's also like a workplace comedy. Like we've seen that done yeah. before, but in this mm-hmm. totally new setting, um, and also dongs, penises in your face, <laughs> full frontal nudity, which I know forget? is the most, you know, it's the most so, like um, sensationalized part of the show. Like that's like what the memes were about and the conversations were about. Right. But it was also like, an, you know, unfortunately a new and um, not very often seen thing. So it became sens- sensationalized. Um it's like a bummer that it was because it's like, okay, well, just like penises, you know, and I've been well, seeing it on my screen since I was able to watch PG-13 movies. That part, right? Yeah, exactly. The- <laughs> um, I was I actually so. like s- somewhat disappointed to learn, and I feel mixed feelings about this because I think people should be able to like wear Merkins and have like genital privacy and stuff. But I was somewhat disappointed <laughs> to learn that there was like prosthetics involved because yeah. I was like, I want nudity equality. I want, you know, but then I'm like, labias aren't like hanging out on my TV screen, you know? So like, I respect, I, re- I changed my mind. I'm like, <laughs> I'm no longer pissed <laughs> that there are fake penises, but there's also t- plenty of real penises. There's and to my real point, penises. there is great penis penile representation too. <laughs> diversity yes there's, there's so much diversity, diversity in shape and size and <laughs> and everything and i think that's so good honestly like sam and i sam always hears me talk about this but we answered a letter about somebody who was like struggling with their small penis and it really like called me and sam in and called our whole community in to be like we need to fucking stop the tiny dick jokes you know we need to <laughs> Um, we need to start practicing that radical body positivity that we put Absolutely. on other women, probably like white women, you know, and mm-hmm. and put it on our genitals, put it on um, men, put it on non-binary folks. You know, like it. I that episode changed me. That letter changed me, and I loved the representation of penises in your show. <laughs> Thank you for t- coming to <laughs> my head <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Spencer just texted me. Well, this episode is definitely called Penile Diversity. <laughs> I love <Right>. it. <laughs> anyway, penises. You want to say anything about that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, is there a question? Or did you just want to talk about how much you loved all the penises? Both. Okay. <laughs> yes, and is something I learned in improv, right? <laughs> There yeah, there you go. No, but <laughs> yeah. what I will say too is that, like, you're totally right. It's weird that, like, in this day and age, people are freaking out about like just seeing penises on TV when we've sort of just become zombies about like looking at the female body and like looking at them and, and not even blinking an eye, not even reacting in any way. Women's bodies have become so commodified in media that it is just like looking at a lamp in a living room, looking at a wallpaper, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there it is. You have that like inequality already. The fact that like this rare thing of seeing a dick, like I want to get to a point where like looking at a flaccid penis on television is just fact. I mean, like, yeah, (laughs) we're just made out of flesh, you know what I mean? And it's, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. You know? Totally. I totally Yeah, agree. no, it's interesting to like 
think about the fact that the the magazine itself, Minx, was like so sen- sensational because it was showing penises. Mm-hmm. And then also like the fact that this show shows so many penises was also like a sensation. Oh my like God, that's so everyone true. was talking about it. Like I had seen all of those penises before I watched the show just mm. from like <laughs> Twitter and stuff, right? Like people were like talking about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just funny that like they're, even though we're what now supposed to be 50 years removed from 1972, like mm-hmm. we're still like, Holy shit. oh my God, penises. Can yeah. you believe they're like out there? We're looking at them. <laughs> And not just the penis stuff. I mean, the political climate that we're currently in, there's a lot of themes that are happening, especially with the female body in Minx that is very relevant today, you know? And it's it's a little crazy to do the show and especially in the finale of like, you know, storming the Capitol and storming Bottom Dollar Productions, like how Mm -hmm. that's all similar. It just, you know... There are, it's still relevant. And it's been, like you said, 50 years ago. And yet it's, nothing has really changed, you know? Yes. For sure. Absolutely. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar 
brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. This is going to be an abrupt change of tone. Um, <laughs> But uh, and an inappropriate one. <laughs> welcome it. I welcome it. <laughs> uh, Sierra and I both have very big crushes on Jake Johnson, and uh-huh, we just yeah. wondered uh, what it was like to work with him. Is Same he as charming as he as he first seems? Right Does he want to be my wife and I's third? You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, not to objectify him in any way, but, um, but absolutely, unfortunately, is he is he as charming in real life as he is uh, Jake on television? Is like, unreal he's unreal he's unreal he's (laughs) perfect in every way he gets he was the dad on set you know what i mean like he was constantly looking out for all of us making sure we were all okay we were like making sure we were all comfortable like jake had our backs at like because he realized that the show is really about these characters coming together Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. really bonding so he he knew the importance of that and like treated us all with respect and love like I love Jake with all of my heart and he's the kindest, the nicest, the funniest guy. Um, and like, yeah, he's cute as hell. He's very, attractive, <laughs> okay. especially in those clothes. Like how did oh my he God. makes, he makes those outfits look Please? so freaking good. It's, it's yeah. actually just, annoying. I'm like, Jake, really? You got to look <laughs> good yeah. in this outfit too. Really? <laughs> yeah. But I like couldn't. if we're objectifying, Jake Johnson, I also could objectify the entire staff. I'm a staff. I'm oh a <laughs> cast. Oh, yeah. Staff, really. Yeah, true. Yeah, the staff's um, a lot of the workplace. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody looked so good. Everybody looked so amazing. And you like vibed as a family. You vibed mm-hmm. in your costumes. Um, and you were just like glowing your best selves. Like you were all so gorgeous on the show. Absolutely. Um, my objectification is not just limited. No, of yeah. course. Yeah, we objectify everybody. Yeah. Hashtag objectify everyone. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but that's, I mean, a big uh, shout out goes to our costume uh, designer and wardrobe person, Beth Morgan, who found these amazing pieces. And ta- I mean, it just felt tailor made for each and every person on the show. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like, she makes every piece of clothing feel so special to the character. And I love when a costume designer reuses clothes, but it still feels very fresh, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, yep. on the show, I wore, like, two different pants. Like, I wore... 
I alternated between two pairs of jeans, you know, mm-hmm. and that felt so real to the character, you know. Except for uh, those white bell bottoms, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, those white, <laughs> oh, of course. The sailor outfit, how can I forget the iconic? The sailor scene. outfit was iconic. When you it's showed so up, iconic. That, that I was like, iconic. this is exactly what I needed. Thank I you so much. Say, <laughs> I felt so bad and I wish I had the wherewithal while we were shooting it to show. I was wearing the most amazing white platform shoes that they were like, oh. there were huge platforms and inside was clear plastic and there was a goldfish inside of those platforms. Oh That's amazing. And they were, they were my favorite <laughs> piece of clothing and we never got to see them. And I was like, oh, oh. I wish we had a oh, shot no. of those shoes. Yeah. yeah, just to know that the detail was hiding there under your flare though exactly. is a testament to the show. So the listeners <laughs> will know that there were cool white platforms with <laughs> yeah. goldfish inside of them. Got the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. Um Speaking of like that scene and that costume and just like the the boss energy that you all brought to that scene, I actually like in preparation for this, like watched some interviews with you and the rest of the cast. Um, and I saw in an interview that you said that Richie's character made real life you feel more confident playing him. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, you know, I have always growing up have dealt with a lot of like confidence issues and a lot of self-image issues. I kept battling with my weight my entire life um, and dealing with like, you know, just like the way that I looked and a huge fear of mine, especially like after after I booked Minx, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to wear the tightest clothes I have ever worn Mm. in my life. I'm going to show my body in a very like unflattering and unforgiving way. And I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of panic before we started production on the show of just like, mm-hmm. okay, like I have to be okay now with showing skin, which I never felt yeah. comfortable. I'm typically the guy wearing super baggy clothes and like just trying mm-hmm. to hide my body because I never felt comfortable in my body ever in my entire life. You know, even as a dancer, when I was like rail thin or whatever, like never never really comfortable or confident in my body. And the more I got into the skin of Richie and like living with Rich, Richie's storyline has never been about looking a certain way Mm. or feeling like less than even, even while he was taking pictures of these, Adonises, literal these like chiseled six, these beautiful, beautiful men has never, I and I love that the show never like talked about like, oh, I have a different body than these men. Like that's mm, not an issue, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like Richie was not phased by taking pictures of these perfect men while his body isn't quote unquote perfect. It made me realize like, why am I making such a big issue about my own body when Richie feels so comfortable? A big part mm. of Richie is like, he's he's so confident about the way he looks, maybe not about the way he is as an artist. And that's a storyline in the show, but like never once was he like, I look fat. I look ugly. I look weird. You know, like he was Mm -hmm. fully just like, I'm going to wear tight ass pants and my body is what it is. And I love my body. And he made me realize that I need to like embrace the body that I have and love it. And, Mm -hmm. and it changed, it's changed the way that I, that I look at myself, honestly. Wow. Yeah. That's so powerful. That is. 
I'm curious about Richie's storyline, right? So you talked a little mm-hmm. bit about like the the coming into his artistry. Um, but I think it's really interesting that this is a show that's sort of ostensibly about women's rights, women's empowerment, and like feminism. Right. But there's also this like very, I think, wonderful undercurrent around yeah. queerness as well. And I'm curious, like, what what do you think the show is trying to say about queerness? Or as you were playing Richie, like what what were you also trying to say about queerness sort of in the context of this show and sort of the place where we are right now? Yeah. Um, I think that there's a, a very important element of celebrating queerness when it comes to radical, just the ra- a radical movement. I think mm-hmm. queer people have always been the foundation of any sort of movement. Um, the, uh, the gay rights movement of, of the sixties of the late sixties wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for lesbian organizations like the lavender menace that were very mm-hmm. active in, in protest and, marches and the same thing same thing with that second wave feminism of the 60s too like Mm -hmm. queer women were very uh, were a huge element to that and i think when it comes to richie richie is inadvertently changing the female gaze because (laughs) you are watching these naked men essentially through a gay man's lens literally Mm -hmm. so he's able to subvert sort of like, first of all, the straight white gaze. And like, when you look at sort of pornography at that time, and even today, it's all done through the straight cis male gaze, right? Right. Very little, especially at the time, very little was made through the female gaze. And even less was made through a gay man of colors gaze. And, Mm -hmm. The success of Minx is the articles, but the reason why the women reached for the magazine to begin with was because of Richie, you know, of Richie's, the way that Richie um, portrayed the male figure. And it wasn't, it didn't feel like icky or gross or objectifying. It celebrated the male body and, and women were able to appreciate that. They were able to look at the male body in a way that wasn't fed to them before. And I think Mm -hmm. that was possible because of Richie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think we've talked about Minx enough. I mean, I could talk about it forever, literally. I'm just sitting here thinking like, well, I guess I should talk about relationships or something. But so I know, so I, like Sam said earlier, like we know you're a big fan of Drag Race. I know um, that you... Uh, in general, consumer of pop culture, fan of it or critic of it in any way. (laughs) So, and this is hypothetically a show about relationships at all, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple months ago on Sam and I's uh, Patreon, we did a couple episodes where we would review the health of the relationship featured in like popular shows or rom-coms. And at one time we even did like, we rated the relationships or the health of the of the lyrics in love songs, Ooh. you know, and you'd be surprised by like how some of my favorite songs, you listen to the lyrics from the perspective of like a unqualified, non-professional relationship 
advice giver <laughs> and you're like, man, this sounds toxic as hell. Like you're yeah. going to give a, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we could just, um, maybe rapid fire or not so rapid fire. Think of some things like, uh, what is a relationship that you can think of right now? Um, what's your favorite relationship in pop culture off the top of your head? Ooh, that you okay. either that, either enjoy or like love to hate sort of thing. Ooh, love to hate. Okay, so <laughs> I'm I don't know why this is the first thing that popped to my in my head <laughs> because I truly hate this show, but can't wait. Can't <laughs> I, wait. I'm so excited. Recently had a conversation, and this is why, because I li- like yesterday had a conversation with my friend who was defending this show, and I was like, this feels this is a toxic relationship. I can't um, wait. And it is, it's, it's the show Glee. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, okay. I'm ready. Glee. I'm ready. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yep. it's the, it's, you said um, it's Glee. Like, like that wasn't like the number one. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Who's, it's like this you know, really tiny. Glee. It's, it's like, like an independent. It. Yeah. It's a little show. No one watched. It's called Glee. Um, it ran for a couple of seasons. Who knows? Six yeah, or seven. Yeah. 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 You, know, you said it to two gay people who love musical theater. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But, you know, the show is fun because it's like stupid and silly, but I think inherently irresponsible in the way that it it it, like talks about, like, first of all, sexuality and uh, teenage love, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think like inherently the character, Leah Michelle's character is is toxic on purpose? Mm -hmm. Question mark. (laughs) I'm not sure if that was the intention, but. Uh, to me, I read her as incredibly toxic, but she like dates the guy who is, uh, you know, the lead. I forgot what the name of the character was, but the entire relationship that she has, she does. She pulls some really, really shady stuff where like she's like, we have to be seen as the the it couple. Like, it just seems very performative, a performative yeah. relationship, which, you know, maybe in high school, that is what happens. Maybe you yeah, date that's someone how we for get social up relationships. In our 20s and 30s. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have something called like a clout relationship, which is something yeah. that happens. It happens in Hollywood a lot, often, uh, very, very often, where you start dating people because they're Yeah, what's it like to popular. date in L.A.? Do you date in L.A.? Oh Do you God, date no. and are you in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> I live in L.A. and I don't date, and it's because I live in L.A. Um <laughs> You know, uh, so like for me, I'm always very sort of like uh, triggered by people who like I see on media who are like, I'm dating you because you're blank, you're famous or because blah, 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 because it's the right thing to do. You know, so like Mm -hmm. for me, that sort of relationship is mm -mm, no toxic. Don't like it. mm -mm." But it it happens, right? Because like we get letters from people who are like. I started dating this person and I really like him and he isn't what I thought I would be with. Like he doesn't have the job that I thought he would have, or he doesn't look the way that I thought he would look. And it like causes people crisis and they, they like feel really bad about it because they're like, this is so shallow and so stupid. Like, why don't I like this person? But it's like, if what we get taught is that the couple we should aspire to is yeah. Liam Michelle and Corey Monteith's characters, oh, in so, Glee, so you're a fan. Then like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, then like, of course we have these weird preconceived notions that our yeah. relationship should be like status worthy because that's like our formative years. We were taught that we should be like pursuing people who like yeah. up our cred, <laughs> which is like, is there? Is there a formative, is there a show or, or a song or something about relationships 
that you saw when you were younger, that was formative to you in that way? Hmm. That maybe either hardwired you for good or evil, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like growing up, I, as like a little gay boy, I never saw, <laughs> mm-hmm. I never saw like queer relationships and or queer relationships that thrived. To me, according to media, gay people were um, yeah. just funny disposable characters mm. that didn't mm-hmm. have any love connect. I, I'm thinking of one in particular, like my so-called life was so formative as mm-hmm. a queer person digesting media because um, the character of Ricky played by Wilson Cruz, who is my idol uh, because mm. of that reason, because I was like, Oh my God, I'm finally seeing me on TV. But like that character never had any, like, yes, he was gay by the mannerisms. So you wouldn't know because he never, had any sexual desire at all it was like mm, yep. a eunuch in some way and, and that's what mm-hmm. gay people were presented like in the 90s eunuchs they never had mm-hmm. any like sexual or like there were sexual deviants you know what i mean they were like mm-hmm. all perverts mm-hmm. or killers in movies you know mm-hmm. uh, that were <laughs> right. punished severely uh so for me growing up i was like oh straight love because uh, i'm not straight so like that doesn't really apply to me queer love is non-existent yeah mm-hmm doesn't exist it's not real like what did i watch that like had queer love i didn't i didn't see it were you one of the million queer people who had like um a breakdown but when you watched heart stoppers (laughs) (laughs) yes because i I was like fucking we (laughs) what sam and i needed to sam and i and our entire audience (laughs) needed needed to go to therapy over that fucking show (laughs) Because it was so beautiful. Those fucking cartoon hearts. How dare they? It is. I I mean, a show like that is so important, I think. And it shows Mm -hmm. where we are right now. Like, I'm so lucky. You know, I'm going to say this. I never in a trillion years thought that queer visibility would be this visible in my lifetime. You know? And what a a treat to be able to see shows like Heartstopper and like just like normalize and minx i mean minx, yeah, and your, and your character minx. on minx is that's right is not a token one-dimensional queer character right. and you get to have desire and that's you true. get to have like an arc and growth and friends and you know yeah yeah i didn't think that was possible i didn't think yeah. it was going to happen in my lifetime um mm-hmm. and what a joy to see like the youths be a lot with the youth oh my god i sound like a <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I youths. am, but the youths, uh, you know, uh, but like the younger generation sort of be a, at least aware of the yes. queer experience, you know, yes. maybe not consuming it or digesting, but just aware of the queer experience and being so much more in tune with like, especially like gender pronouns, mm-hmm. sexuality, you know, like mm-hmm. I never thought that it was going to happen ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. You know, Absolutely. and it's interesting because it's also like it has created its own realm of like issues that young people are going through as well, right? Like we get letters all the time about people's identities and their experiences Absolutely. of them, and like it's amazing that people now have like all of these options available to them, and we have Absolutely. like words to describe it. And it's also like, how do I pick? Like, what do I know? How do yeah. I know? Like, and it's yeah. it's interesting to see that like at least when I was young, like the the consternation was, I know I'm this thing and I know it's bad, mm-hmm. right? Like people are telling me it's bad over and over again. And there's still for sure some of that. And lots of people are experiencing that as young people, but it's also like, 
there's a new iteration of of angst that's like right. that's coming up for folks around like Absolutely. I don't know what I am and I don't know what the words are and like all right. of this stuff. So it's like it's it's interesting to like be older and look back and say like oh young people aren't going through the same thing that I am mm-hmm. while also being like and they're going through an entirely different thing that's causing them a lot of questions and a lot of mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, pain and a lot of Absolutely. curiosity and it's it's. Yeah. It's fun to like listen to that and to be able to experience that too. Like I'm so thankful for our letters because it means that we get a glimpse into Absolutely. the queer experience in a way that we wouldn't, you know, just only hanging out with people who are like in their thirties and have gone through right. very particular experiences of queerness. I was also going to say that, like, I think it's very important to, you are saying like, there's a lot of like pain that comes with that, but I think pain is inherent when it comes to identity right of like seek like rummaging through your experiences (laughs) and being like wait who what am i who am i what so i'm like to me i love that people are doing that work because it is work that pain that work at an earlier age than me and also i think when it comes to being queer i think when i was growing up queer was about community like i I think a lot of my pain Mm -hmm. came from like where i as a as a gay man where i fit into the gay community to gay culture Mm -hmm. where i feel whereas i feel like people now and i might be wrong but this is just what i think (laughs) i think people are going through what it means to be queer as an identity as a self-identity like because Mm -hmm. culture right now is so much broader than it was before you know, that I think it's a lot of that like pain of self-identification and like where you fit is much more of a self journey than like you fitting into a larger tribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's you know real. What I mean? What I was going to add too, is just having this conversation with the backdrop of our earlier conversation about Minx and the 50 years and what mm-hmm. has and hasn't changed in all mm. of these realms of identity and pleasure and community. Um, I just, it's a fascinating way to tie all this together. All right. So at the end of every one of these conversations, we ask people the same three questions. Um, and so the first one that I want to ask you is what is relationship advice? One piece of relationship advice that you used to believe that you don't believe anymore or that you look at in a different light? Mm. I think a big relationship, a big thing growing up that I felt like I had to adhere to was I am, how do I change myself to fit into that puzzle piece? Yeah. You know, or, or just Mm -hmm. like, you know, if you can't change someone, (laughs) you got to change yourself. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. was good intentioned, I guess. Uh, but uh, also incredibly toxic and harmful uh, because it, <laughs> sure. it, it sort of like, so th- it sort of ingrained this idea of like, oh, I'm not good enough as just me. So I have to like mm. learn how to change who I am to fit in this relationship with someone that I want to be with, you know, in a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I clearly don't believe that anymore. And even this idea, <laughs> honestly, you know, to be frank, like the, the idea that like you even have to be in a relationship, like yeah, I think, absolutely. Like, the yep. idea of like finding a relationship with yourself to me is, mm-hmm. is paramount. It's, it, it's just like learning how 
you can become a better person for yourself before looking for somebody else to be in a relationship with, you know, and that was a hard thing for me to learn because a lot of my happiness depended on how other people saw me. Um, And there was some growing pains about me being like, whoa, whoa, I need to like not take my self value based on how other people perceive me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there's no like, talking about like pop culture, there's no like sitcom that we watched when we were younger that was about like developing a relationship with yourself, (laughs) you know, (laughs) there was no like (laughs) Disney channel. I mean, I'm right. I'm slightly too old to be a huge Disney person. Um, (laughs) you know, like I miss the Lizzie McGuire years, Uh um, but just Mm -hmm. you watched them, right, Sam? Like there's, Oh yeah. I was peak Lizzie McGuire. Yep. (laughs) No, (laughs) you were the Lizzie McGuire demographic. Absolutely. I was. (laughs) Um, and, and there was like no, you know, there's no storyline for young folks to be like right. a romantic or whatever. Other people's approval of you is not is not the end all be all. Right. And that seems so obvious now. But like also like I have to remind people that I grew up during the 90s where like the Disney princesses were constantly helpless without someone to love. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Their entire goal was to be like, I want to get married and that's it. <laughs> love is, that's the biggest thing in my life, you know? So I'm just like, oh yeah, we were conditioned to live our lives for the sole purpose of partnering up, you know? Yeah, for sure. absolutely. For sure. I, I honestly, I'm debating like, you know, Little Mermaid, great soundtrack, Great Am I going to show it to my child? You know, like, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, this iconic all, you know, the Disney, Disney movies from the nineties that are just mm-hmm. like the backdrop of my childhood. Right. But am I going to show, am I going to show it to her just when she's like, is going to give up her fucking voice yeah, to get a boyfriend, you know? Right. Anyway. Yeah. The just first like, guy she sees. Sorry. <laughs> the, fir- the first. <laughs> Literally the first thing she sees. She's like, I love him. It's like, he's the only, oh, oh Ariel, no. He's That's hot funny. though. Uh, <laughs> I'm the I gotta say, Eric's my guy. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen him before, but. Dark hair, uh, those blue eyes. Let me tell you. Okay, pulling yeah. that boat rope. So oh, absolutely, hundred percent. And then, like, I believe he like he gets like his shorts cut off at the or his like pants sort of get this cut is off. How you the... know, Sam was a little gay Sam's boy. You know what yes. I mean? Sam's, Sam's a fan. <laughs> he noted the the length of his Eric's pants. Yeah. You know, it's real. It's real. Sort of my love ah, of creepy so pants. Funny. Oh my god! Before we get into <laughs> the next question. I have to say that I that I I'm going to indirectly say that Minx almost caused m- me and my wife to get a divorce and let me tell you why. <laughs> let me tell you why. Uh, 4 years ago, I cut bangs in my hair. It was a mistake. <laughs> I looked at my wife and I said, "If I ever ask you if I should get bangs again, if I ever say I'm going to get bangs again, you stop me." Or else, you know, I see where over. this is going. I see where uh-huh. this is going. <laughs> Joyce's hair is so iconic, <laughs> so gorgeous. Can't believe she's a real human being. Mm-hmm. Like she, she is like the human embodiment of like Roxanne from the Goofy movie. Like she's just so <gasps> charming. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Like she's compliment. got sass and attitude, and like, oh, she's just so cute. Anyway, mm-hmm. and her hair is so great. She's got these gorgeous curtain bangs. 
And I'm yes. like, I said to my wife, I said, I'm thinking about getting these bangs cut. What do you think? And she said, oh, I think they would look great. And I said, oh, oh do you know a good <gasps> divorce lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> Still thought about it, though. <laughs> yeah. Still thinking about it. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that segment, uh, segue. Um, so every show on our primary episodes, we ask, uh, we give our listeners a blind date, something that we love that we want to set them up with. And so this week, we're going to ask you what you want to send them home with. Oh my gosh! Okay, um, listen, I okay, I do this all the time. I, I talk about this so often in podcasts that I guest in, and I'm going to continue spreading this love. Do it. There is a video, one of my favorite pieces of media is a five minute video on YouTube. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> it is called The Bread. And you, and see, here's the thing. You can't, you can't just type The Bread because it won't come up because there's tons of other videos. Okay, you have okay, to okay. type The Bread short film because that's exactly it? what it is. It is. Animated I, film? No, it's not the animated film. It is the okay, live good. action film. It's by Jerry Jackson Films. That's the person who uploaded okay. it. Got it. And it is, I'm a big horror freak. I love, I love horror movies. And I also love So Bad They're Good kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you get to my heart. If you show me something, a piece of media that it's so bad that it's good, I I, I will love you forever. Like you Got get it. Me, The Wicker you know? Man. Nick Cage. Mwah. Perfect. That is a perfect. <laughs> and this is why I love you, Sierra. Um, <laughs> how to get burned <laughs> yeah. yeah how to get burned the bees stop the bees um so the bread short film is an insight to my sort of sense of humor and because it is so chaotic and terrible but it is oh, the perfect wait. piece of media and it's five minutes and it starts right away you have to like actually be paying attention as soon as you hit play <laughs> because they are not messing around they get to it real quick it's so awesome so and and here's the thing if you ever come over my house if i invite you to somewhere to to my place you are watching the bread that is that's how i (laughs) baptize anyone who's like a friend of mine like all of my friends know about the bread um so i to everyone listening all of my new friends can't wait watch the bread short film jerry jackson films it's iconic Awesome. You and my husband should be best friends because he is the exact same way. (laughs) Are you serious? Okay. Loves shitty horror films. He is working his way through through Chucky right now. Like every time I like leave my office. Yeah, he's yeah. He just watched The Curse of Chucky, Mm -hmm. which is number six or seven. I don't know. But every time I come out, I'm like, which Chucky is this? Um (laughs) Honey. (laughs) Yeah, right. And I'm like, just like this every October, they everyone. watch like a scary movie every night. Like he's into all. He, he goes. Yes, okay, absolutely. then me and Peter gotta yeah. have a conversation because okay. I want to know. I want to know. I'll set he's you a, up. He's a great person. <laughs> all right. Next question: uh, Where can people find you, and how can they support you? So that can be your Twitter, your Instagram, your Venmo, new shows that are coming out, podcasts you're on, whatever it yeah. is. Share with the people. So you can just follow me personally at Ozymo, O-Z-Z-Y-M-O, on Instagram and Twitter um, to just to find out what the heck I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I host uh, Drag Her podcast with my friend Mono. We, it's a Drag Race uh, recap uh, podcast. I also host a podcast called Inside the Disney Vault, uh, which is uh, I've <laughs> like I think three years ago, four years ago, I started a quest to watch every single disney animated movie in chronological order 
Uh, and because uh, before before I started the podcast, I've oh, only shit. seen two because I'm not a Spencer, Disney person at all. Spencer and I watch all the Marvel movies this uh-huh. winter from chronological order, but this is like oh yeah, so an even bigger world. It's huge, and I did that. I did all. I've watched. I have watched every single Disney movie in chronological Disney animated movie in chronological order. Then I, we watched every Pixar movie in chronological order, and now. We're watching every Disney Channel original movie <gasps> in yes. order, which has been chaotic. It's been a ride. It's been a ride. <laughs> it's been a ride. Uh, so follow us on Instagram at Inside the Disney Vault or ITDV Podcast on Twitter uh, to find out where we are in our journey. Uh, I also host a music video podcast. Oh my gosh, so many podcasts. I host a music video podcast <laughs> called Podcast Killed the Video Star where me and Manu, who also hosts Drag Her, we are on a quest to find the top 100 definitive best music videos of all time. Uh, so we discuss three music videos and we decide which one, well, the the people that follow us on Instagram at Podcast Kill the Video Star vote for which one of the three is their favorite. And we oh. put that on the top 100 music video list. And it's nice. been very fun and we're almost done, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, and also watch Minx on HBO Max and also yeah. stay tuned for Minx season two, which is I should know. be coming up next year, um, awesome. which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, also watch uh, if you have Dropout, the Dropout app. I'm on a show called Dimension 20. So um, uh, so, uh, yeah, just watch that. Cool. That's awesome. Congratulations on season two and on Yay. all of this goodness i can't wait to see what happens to richie next season and <laughs> it'll probably be my blind date unless it's sam turn sam's turn yeah. and it'll be his <laughs> we have to like say something that we like once a week and like sometimes we're like ah fuck it's your turn or it's, or it's, or it's, or it's, oh, God, it's my turn and then i have to be like okay well i really like this recipe once um, yeah right you know, like half the, t- half the time it's like really thoughtful books that we love shows that we love things like that and other times mm-hmm. i mean like i've literally my blind date once was going outside. <laughs> it was. I think because I was it like was. hung over that week because <laughs> well, I was like, you know, like fresh, fresh air is vitamin D, Listen, you know. Sometimes sure. I need to be reminded of that as someone yes, who exactly. only records podcasts all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. I have to remind myself like I have to step outside I t- today. I, I haven't think done I stepped that outside and I was like, I oh my it. God, this air is healing. I'm going to say this on yeah. the podcast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Anyway, thank you so much, Oscar. This has been so fun. I feel delight. like we could have talked to you for like 2 million hours. Um, Absolutely. To our treat. listeners, go support Oscar. Follow him on Instagram. Go check out the shows and the podcast that he mentioned. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to stay tuned for more Head and Heart Work conversations on our primary feed every other Thursday. And if all else fails, just break up. They said it. They said the thing. ha <laughs> ha.